Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome to Law Focus, the show with a staunch focus on the law. My name is Melissa Tindiweni, your voice of law for the evening, right here on VOFM 88.1. On the 10th of October 2018, the South African Reserve Bank received the forensic investigation report into the affairs of VBS Mutual Bank. The purpose of the report was to find out whether any of VBS's business dealings were conducted with the sole purpose of committing fraud, whether its business conduct was negligently or intently questionable. The bank was put under curatorship in March 2018 following its liquidity crisis. It is against this backdrop that tonight we discuss the legalities of the VBS scandals. Basically, now that we know that over 2 billion rand was unlawfully extorted from the bank, where to from here? We'll be joined by the National Secretary of the South African Society of Bank Officials, SASPO, Lebohang Silipe, as well as Pumzile Gushe of the Ombudsman for Banking Services. Of course, this wouldn't be a conversation without your input. If you wish to join the conversation, you can send us a tweet on at VAWFM using the hashtag LawFocus. You can also send us a voice note on WhatsApp. The number to dial is 084-078-4912. Do stay tuned for the upcoming discussion. But before we get into that, we start the show with the hottest legal stories of the week. Here are the legal hotspots. Rounding up all all the top stories of the week. week. It's Legal Hotspots. For our Legal Hotspots this week, we have in studio our law focused researcher, Sia Bonga Mota. Sia, what do you have in store for us this week? Well, this week we're starting with something that is really, really big in the country so far. Um, The Home Affairs Minister Saga. But we'll start with the issue here. It says the redistribution of personal content of sexual nature that you have received from someone is criminal. Mm. So this past weekend, Home Affairs Minister Malusi Kikaba revealed that there's a circulation of a video of himself which contains content of sexual nature. And this material is being used to blackmail him. Mm. So in, in principle, it says, well, I'll say... People were reposting the video and and all sorts of social media websites like Mm. Twitter, Facebook. Mm. Some of them were doing it on WhatsApp. But in principle, Section 14 says everyone has a right to privacy. And 14D says this right to privacy includes the right to have your own communication infringed. And I'm assuming that the section that you're referring to is directly from the Constitution. Directly from the Constitution, Mm. of course. Um, And says in application, if one does this, um, it says when you share private sexual information or the the contents of sexual nature Mm. of someone without their consent, you're in fact violating their right to privacy. Yeah, sounds about it. Um, So the cause of law also emphasizes that there's no public interest in this man... Okay, that's what you do it. The cause of law, the cause of, oh, the case of law, the case of law also emphasizes there is no public interest in disseminating such content. Okay. So in conclusion, basically, there are two bills currently in South, in South African Parliament regarding this dilemma, which are expected to come into effect very, very soon. I'm wondering, all these people who did repost the video, what's going to happen to them? Because if they were doing what is illegal, then obviously there must be repercussions. Well, Cyber, cyber Crime Bill and the Film and Publication Amendment Bill, mm. um, 
other ones that should determine such. Unfortunately, in South Africa, we still have to get to that point. Okay, so when they are in accidents to law, then we'll know exactly how to deal with such cases. Yeah, yeah. They mm. clearly stipulate that the reposting of sexual content with the con- without the consent, actually, of the parties involved will be criminalized. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. So there are many other incidents, though. Um there's, 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 there has been a lady who, who changed her name mm. after her ex-boyfriend took a video of them having sex and posted it um, on a pornographic My website goodness. after yeah. they broke up. So, yeah. Um, so, be careful not to post things on the internet that you are not proud of mm. because they stay there forever. Yeah, I, I guess we should just take the advice, eh? Yeah. And stop... Reposting things of other people It's none of our <laughs> business <laughs> So um, when you go to our second story Yeah, what do we have? More items are, are said to be zero rated When it comes to te- text mm, Yeah That sounds important So um, the value added text was increased For the first time in South Africa Since 1994 to 15% This increase um, was a bit of um, To ap- avoid an increase of personal taxes Fortunately the tax law allows us to have items or products on the market that are being that are not taxed actually mm. so that way they are more affordable to the poor people that's important yeah so the principle here there are uh, there are both laws and policies which handle zero rating um, of products such as the white paper released in 1998 um the comprehensive business tax the mango the mago actually not the mango <laughs> the, <laughs> The Marco Commission tax law. So when you apply this, a panel has to sit um, and review this list of items and all other complexities, mm. complexities actually surrounding zero rating. Mm. You know, it is a system that is used to benefit the poor, um, the working class. So it's it's a bit of both actually. Yeah. So although zero rating um, items will also cost the country one point two billion. On the other hand, it has this loss of revenue that restores the dignity of South African, poor South Africans. Yeah, yeah. And we've been talking about zero rating um, without quite defining what exactly it is for that person who might not have any idea. Um, how would we say what is zero rating? So zero rating is to is not to is to have to sell the the price with with only the margins added for the profit. So. Um, if it costs, so if it costs the the company to like let's say seven rand mm. to 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 bake bread, so obviously they will add their margins for their profit, but mm. they won't have the value added tax okay. because bread is, is is one of the things that we use on our daily basis. It's a basic. basic need. Yeah. So 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 basically, uh, as long as there's no vet. Yeah. Then that's a zero rated item. Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. So what has South Africa decided to add as part of the zero rated items? Well, I wouldn't say the South African South Africans as a whole, but um the panel came to a conclusion whereby therefore announced last week that the white bread, um cake flour and sanitary towels will as from the first of April twenty nineteen mm. be tax free. That's 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 good news. That's good news for all South Africans, I guess. I think we should work on adding more things to the list. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about the revenue, but at least people can afford what they really need to be able to afford. Yeah. And if we go to our third and final story, mm, what do oh, we have? The question is, will Cape Town Mayor Patricia Dillard resign? Hey, Lang. That's a good <laughs> 
Big question. It is. So it says Cape Town Mayor Patricia Dillon has been in a spate um, with the DA over allegations of oversight, corruption, strained relationships, yeah, and there's more. Mm. Yeah. So there, there have been internal investigations by the Democratic Alliance as well as external law firm about whether she was involved in any maladministration or corruption or whether she allowed it, it to happen under her watch. Mm. So it's, it's, it's quite a, a very, very complicated story that's happening mm. in Cape Town. So when you apply this, so there were two reports from Bowman. Uh, Jill Fillin. There were two reports from Bowman and Jill Fillin, whereas the first one um, found that Delel was actually not guilty of misconduct mm. for not reporting tender irregular... Actually... <laughs> Whereas the first found that Delel was not actually guilty of misconduct of not reporting tender irregularities. The second one recommends that disciplinary hearing or disciplinary action should be taken and criminal charges should be laid against Delel. I am confused. How in the world do we have the same law firm that comes with two different reports, two different conclusions? That doesn't even begin to make sense. Such matters, such matters should be taken for, to external um, forensic in, investigation. Further, um, ne? Yeah. So the problem is that uh, in an ar- agreement with the party leader, Musimai Mani, in August, she agreed to resign on the 1st of October should the disciplinary hearing against her be dropped. That's tomorrow. Yeah. Is she, she going to resign? I wonder whether she'll still have still a job. Still going back to the first question. Mm. While well, she has already been in court on Monday to file an application against the outcome of the latest Bowman um, forensic report, she'd also tabled a letter of resignation, which the DA had already accepted. Yeah, hi. So one access, I We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Siabonga Mota, for our legal hotspot this week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. As you continue with the conversation, we asked you what you think about the VBA scandal. This is what you had to say. I think it's extremely tough and difficult, you know, to have these type of scandals happen, like, directly to the black community. It really makes me wonder what does black independence mean and look like. And I think this should never, like, this, if this is the precedent of like what we mean by supporting black then we are really under siege and I hope that this can be a lesson to all of us that if really we are to do legitimate things we are to also behave in an honorable way people must account you know accountability is a real problem in this country and I feel like these things are further appropriating that thing that lack of accountability like in general like just African leaders are still very they have the win on my own mindset type of thing. Like, it's not for for the people. We're not doing enough to conquer it, you know. So I feel like the best way to get out of this mess, if we get a new, like a whole new system, a whole new, um, from the president down, maybe we should get younger people that are more serious and well-educated to, like, handle these things. Because... Wow, we've given these people a chance and then look at what's happening now. So it's time for change. It's time for new management to take place because we really can't do this anymore. The 
they, they should face the, the, the charges because they can't just uh, steal money. Because I, I heard that the, the money that is the money that was stolen from the VBS, uh, it was stolen by our governmental organs. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's fake news or all that, but I think they they need to face the charges. Because remember, you can't steal from your people. You're supposed to fight for your people and uh, provide for your people f- for them to live a sustainable life, like you promised to them when they elected for you. So why lose that? Uh, why lose that value or that norm when you get into power? You know, power drives people crazy. Because in most in most cases, when you vote for like political parties, in the beginning they're like, okay, we're going to provide. They make some changes in our townships and all that. But immediately when they get into power, all that just vanishes. I think it starts from the leaders because obviously corruption starts over there in the government in, in the governmental organs and all that. So we should actually each time when we vote, we should uh, make sure that um, we, we we take our economic uh, 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 status into mind. Because in most of the cases, when we vote for our leaders. We don't uh, take our economic status into mind. We only care about the politics that are happening right now. We don't actually think about the future, the economic development, all that. So I think we should try and change the leadership. And when the elections come next year, I really think that we should stand up and really fight for what we want, if we want to, if we would really want to gain from our government. Why um, the um, community is focusing more on uh, the 16 million, whereas there was um, a billion, uh, two billion. Uh, um, rents in the bank. Where is the other? Um, where is the other two billion? Because it's this sixteen million is like nothing compared to the other part. Where is the other part? Because uh, we are hearing uh, people say they, they, that there is nothing. They they are zeros only. It's like uh, so. We want to know where the other, where where the whole of the two billion is, and who are the people who were put in like um authority of this money because i'm sure they were educated and how can money just disappear in front of uh educated individuals what does that say about our education and implementing it and stuff because i I just don't see money disappearing just like that it shouldn't even come out in the news it's embarrassing to the south african community it was very unethical for like people to just misuse other people's monies like that, and it's it's wrong. It's wrong, and they should repay the money because it's not theirs. That's my opinion on the VBS scandal. No focus. Point point of information. VBS was launched as the Vendor Building Society Mutual Bank in 1982. It registered with the South African Reserve Bank in 1993. In pursuit to obtain economic transformation, it is stated on its website that in 2014 it became 100% black-owned. Although its head offices are based in Johannesburg, its mission was to first establish its footprint in Limpopo. It has come to light that in the manner in which the business was operating was in nature fraudulent. The Great Bank Heist found that it was principally involved in the taking of deposits from retail depositors, including burial societies and stock files. In turn, it mainly lent money to its clients to acquire immovable property secured by mortgage bonds. It also made short-term loans to its clients against the security of the deposits they had made with the bank. For the longest time, it was just a bank getting by until 2014, when it sought to rely on deposits from municipalities to stay afloat. It bribed municipal officials for the payments, despite the fact that it is illegal for municipalities to pay deposits to mutual banks. 
it broadened its client base to accommodate more ambitious and potentially lucrative contracts. Its loan book denoted that its loans were for property but extended to overdrafts and vehicles. There were many rewards awarded to middlemen or consultants that were paid during this time, various amounts ranging from 500,000 rand to 2 million rand of bribes. Monies were also paid to front companies monthly. BBS's Ramabunga suggested that it is common practice for banks to pay middlemen commissions for assisting the bank in soliciting deposits, which is exactly what they did. We are now joined on the line by Lebohang Silipe from SESPO. Lebohang, welcome to Law Focus. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Millicent, and, and welcome um, to your viewers as well. Um, I greet your viewers as well. Thank you. We're going to get right into it. We know that there's been a scandal that has unfolded at VBS. The bank heist report was revealed two weeks ago. How has this affected you as the union? Well, uh, Melissa, um, worried and disappointed is, you know, it's, it's the least we can we can really say about how we have been impacted as a union um, in terms of what has transpired at CBS. Um, you know, when the curator was instated on the 11th of March already, you know, that set a course um, to say that there was a certain crisis which appeared to be a liquidity crisis at the time. We welcomed the curatorship as a union because, you know, this was not the first time we, we would be experiencing a curatorship in one of our institutions. But essentially, that was an indication of, you know, um, an attempt to, to save the bank. Because if we save the bank, in, in essence, we would be saving workers' uh, jobs, um, in, in, in essence. Mm. So when the scandal, uh, you know, unraveled itself as we now know it, you know, it, it, it became extremely disappointing the fact that you know people's lives have been put at risk people's jobs have been put at risk the public the poor's money um, has been put at risk in such a manner it, it, it really has been really morbidly disappointing yeah and I'm wondering I mean what plan is there following the scandals to ensure that employees of VBS are protected I mean already there's been so many retrenchments that have happened are there alternatives at this point in time, um, Melissa, you know, throughout this process, we've been um, in consultation with the employer, uh, which was the creator, around, you know, measures of trying to avoid retrenchments, you know, reducing the number of in- impacted uh, workers, and, and, and obviously looking at, you know, what type of impact and assistance, what type of impact would they be on employees, and, and what type of assistance would be given on those who, who are retrenched. So we have actually in this process looked at different alternatives and as a union we just unfortunately could not stop the retrenchments that we see here today but we were impactful in how exactly that process unfolded and how many would have been retained and how many would have actually been uh, impacted Mm. so at this point in time where we are sitting the bank we envision that the bank will continue with the retained employees um, it, it will be a different form and structure uh, going forward in terms of its functioning. But with the, 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 the ones who are actually who have received their notice of, of termination on the 12th of October, we, 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 we envisage and continue to engage with the, 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 the curator in order to, to finalize what exactly they will be taking home in form of severance and, and, and other types of financial assistance. Mm. So that is, those are the, 
that is a process that has unfolded. That is what we have done on our side. And that, you know, we, 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 we also intend on calling upon the Reserve Bank, you know, to meet with us so that we can, um, you know, air, air the plight of workers impacted and those who are also retained as well to mm-hmm. see how, how, how is the Reserve Bank going to, to assist these employees. Yeah. So we are still continuing with that conversation. We still intend, you know, of, of we intend on not going silently on this. Mm. And I'm wondering, you are still, you know, trying to get into talks with various stakeholders and other people to assist the situation. What's the best outcome that could achieve from that? Do you think these people will be able, because, I mean, who's going to employ them? Are you going to help them to get employment again? What's the plan as you try and talk to the Reserve Bank and other people? Yes, this is exactly what we, we would have liked to see. You know, us engaging the Reserve Bank, us engaging the curator, you know, and us engaging other stakeholders, uh, our affiliated uh, our affiliated uh, trade union, uh, COSATU, as well, you know, is, is standing firm behind us on this. We know that the sta- government is also a stakeholder to say, you know, let's put pressure, let's speak to Labour. It shouldn't just be a conversation from Labour, it should be government and business to come to the party to say, what do we do with these workers who have been now mm. retrenched from VBS, you know, through no fault of their own, who now have to live with the stigma of having been employed by VBS, you know, and Trying to find alternative work, you know, having that particular stigma is going to be very, very difficult. Yeah. Because now you are tainted with, by this, you know, uh, mm. this irreparable damage that has been caused yeah. you know, from a reputational perspective. And I'm wondering... So we, 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 we need to encourage business. And by business, I refer to other banks and whatever local businesses mm. are around who can and absorb, absorb these workers. Mm. So there's a huge responsibility um, on us. Absolutely. Um, in that regard. And I'm wondering whether you have any views on the policing organizations that are meant to monitor the banking sector. Um, should they not have foreseen the scandal? Could they not have prevented it before it actually erupted? What do you think? What do you say about those people? You see, this is the question that was even posed to the Reserve Bank, if you see in the latest media to say, I yeah. mean, as their supervisory supervising authority, you know, how did they not pick up exactly. you know, what actually transpired? Um, and it, it just goes to show the depth of this deceit, um, you know, that we see um, as, as this fraudulent debacle. And, and, you know, that's why Mr. Advocate Mutau called it a bank heist. Yeah. It really was a heist because they... They cleaned up, they covered up their, their you know, the, the loose ends so tight that it wouldn't have been possible for even those supervising authorities. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the the internal and external auditors who are actually supposed to be the watchdogs, who are supposed to be, um, you know, the, 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 the next level of, of, of um, uh, what you call it, supervision and, and, you know, who do the checks and balances to ensure that what the bank is declaring is actually, you know, true and, you know, a true reflection of its finances. If, if, if that is the case, how, how then do, do we, as external parties, then not know, know this, yeah. you know? Mm. If the internal auditors and the external auditors are part and parcel of the fraud, it's very difficult it to, is. to then know about this, yes. Yeah. But it, 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 it now tells us going forward that there are now 
new levels or new measures, types of measures that have to be put in place, you know, to, 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 to try and avoid such things. Mm. If you've just joined us, we're speaking to Lebohang Silipe, who is the National Secretary of SASPO, which is the South African Society of Bank Officials, about the impact of the VBS scandal that has just recently broken out to the extent that there have been retrenchments of so many employees um, at the bank. I'm wondering, Lebohang, are you in a position to sue the bank in a class action on behalf of the workers? Well, uh, listen, this is one of the conversations we've been having um, ourselves as well to say, you know, where can we really take this, you know? And that, that is a, a, a clear possibility. Mm. That is one of the possibilities. Those one of the options we could take. Um, but we want to make sure that we have exhausted all measures, you know, before we can even take it that far. Um, we want to see, you know, if there really is an appetite, you know, from the three uh, 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 legs that I've just mentioned in terms of from labor, government and business, you know, to try and save this particular bank. Because that's actually all that, that is going to count here. That's what's going to matter here. Um, if we can all see um, if there is that appetite and should that come to fruition, you know, we, we wouldn't have to take such lengths. But yes, it is a definite possibility. Mm. Um, do, do you think that the, the, the current status quo of how the banking sector operates, should, there be, should the laws that protect it and, you know, ensure that it's operational accordingly, do you think there needs to be any amendments to avoid and prevent such extreme effects of workers if, and, you know, we hope not, that such a scandal breaks out in future in another bank or mm. something of the mm. sort? You know, Millicent, um, you know, we already have such very good governance in the finance sector, you know, with different types of bodies. We, you know, we've got um, the FCS, uh, FSCA, We've got FIC, we've got, um, you know, um, we've got BASA regulating the banking industry. We've got um, a lot of bodies that actually do very strict regulations as it is. Mm. But, you know, it, it becomes unfortunate when knowing very well and having these systems in place, they still, when there's an element of dishonesty, it, it is very difficult to, 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 to track that. If an external body who is actually supposed to, you know, to, 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 to sign off those checks and balances and, and ensure that there has been no such misrepresentation, um, you know, it, it, I don't think it goes to question what we currently have as a system. There's, I don't believe there's anything wrong with the current system. Surely, probably, there may be a need to now have probably stricter regulations when it comes to probably the auditing functions and now who's going to audit the auditors, you know, kind of thing. You, you, you never really set up a system um, thinking that there could be some, you know, interference or um, um, what you call manipulation. Yeah. You don't expect that because there's strict regulations in the finance industry around that manipulation, misrepresentation, dishonesty and all of that. So it, it, it has been a very unfortunate set of, set of uh, events, but I, I do believe that there is probably some work that can still be done with regards to that. But as 
I believe currently the systems we have in place are already, you know, world class in a way. Okay. Well, do, is there, what's the way forward now? You know, what's next? What is next? As I said, um, we are actually planning a a, a march in mm-hmm. Limpopo with Kosatu, the provincial Kosatu um, office in Limpopo on the 15th of November. We will be marching to to pro, uh, to protest um, outside DBS uh, branches, um, and and that is and that is to just to highlight, you know, the plight of workers, those who have been impacted. Mm. What is the future of the bank? You know, where where are we going? We need to to to, to really engage in those conversations mm. um, and make sure the plight of the voiceless, you know, is heard in, in this country. And 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 hopefully that will, you know, bring the the Reserve Bank to come to the party, to get the curator to come back to the party as well in having that con- conversation. Because I don't think this affects just VBS workers. Mm. This is, as, as, as a nation, I think, you know, this has shaken us so, so much because now you can imagine what's happening in, even in other industries. This is so possible. In other organizations, yeah. it's also possible. So I think it's, a, it's, it's really a wake-up call yeah. for all of us, Absolutely. you know, to stand up against corruption, stand up against, you know, you know malpractice and, and misrepresentation, manipulation, um, things like this, you know, the, the, the moral fiber of society, you know, <laughs> it needs to come back, you know, to good ethics and codes and, 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 and that, mm, mm. Which, which is what we would in, even encourage the generation coming, you know, um, after us, our future leaders need to be groomed in, 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 in that regard. Thank you, Lebo Hang Salipa, for joining us here tonight on Law Focus. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for having me. That was Lebohang Silipe, who is the National Secretary of the South African Society of Banking Officials, highlighting the disappointment over the corruption at VBS. They are also in engagements with the Curator and Reserve Bank and are appealing to labor, government and business to assist retrenched workers. She also indicated that there is a planned march at the VBS offices in Limpopo on the 15th of November. You are still tuned into Law Focus on VowFM 88.1. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFM 88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus, handing you your rights. There are complexities surrounding the VBS matter. Another black-owned business in trouble, the unlawful taking of public funds, the involvement of state institutions like PIC, the potential involvement of other state institutions like PRASA, the audacity to see institutions like Transnet and SAA as fertile ground for corrupt dealings. Yet again, the breaking of trust by state officials who are supposed to be guarding public money, the bankruptcy of municipalities because of this debacle, the loss of deposits by clients who are now hindered from obtaining their monies from the bank, the loss of employment by ordinary South Africans trying to make an innocent living, and the very sad and disappointing revelations about political parties receiving money from VBS. The ANC is alleged to have received up to 2,250,000 rand from VBS. Whereas the relatives of the EFF's president and vice president are said to have received payments too. A few days ago, it came to the fore that Julius Malema's cousin received almost 6 million rand of irregular payments from VBS. 
Earlier this month, it was reported that Brian Shivambu is alleged to have been given 16 million rand. It was further reported that he gave his brother Floyd Shivambu 10 million rand and the EFF was given a donation of 1 million rand. Claims which the EFF vehemently dismissed. Take a listen to this. There's never been any 10 million that came into my account. So, the misleading information which Daily Maverick has is deliberate. It's part of the whole uh, propaganda machinery to, to do all of these things. We can challenge this polier van Vig to bring us the so-called evidence that I received 10 million. It's pure insanity. It's madness of people who want to say that we received 10 million. If, if let's say, Let's leave being a journalist, be a patriot in South Africa and go to a police station and say, here's the evidence that Floyd Shwambo received 10 million from VBS. Go to the police station and report that. There will never be any such. Also, the bank that I bank with would have called me in if I received 10 million rand to ask me, on what basis are you receiving 10 million rand? Because the regulations that deal with money movements in South Africa places an obligation on banks to caution its customers and its clients on the monies that are coming there and are not explained. I've never been called by the bank saying that come and explain some 10 million, which is not existing anywhere. So let us just dismiss the insanity that came from Daily Maverick. It's part of the agenda of the establishment that uh, seeks to undermine the efforts that we're putting. And, and, and of course they want to somehow weaken our position because before the standing committee of, on finance now, there are three private members' bills that are tabled by the economic freedom fighters. One is the bank's amendment bill, two is the South African Reserve Bank uh, amendment bill, and then three is the general uh, anti-tax avoidance bill. And almost all of these issues speak to the banking system and money movements and taxation and everything else there. So they want to get an opportunity that every time we justify for the passing of this legislation, they will always shout VBS. Yeah, you took money from VBS. We never took any money from VBS. And anyone who thinks that we did so is mad. Thank you very much. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFM88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. B. Your own lawyer. Law Focus on Volfang 88.1. Point of information. We understand that you work for the Ombudsman for Banking Services. Please advise us on the work that you actually do. Um, yes, I do indeed work for the Ombudsman for Banking Services. And what this office does, Millicent, is that we adjudicate over complaints that are submitted by bank customers about their banks. And these complaints are related to bank products, bank service, or maladministration that might have taken place. Mm. And for the sake of clarity then, what is the hierarchy of accountability within the banking sector? Yes. Who's accountable Um, to who? Yes. So... um, in the in the um, banking sector, um, accountability is accountability is one hundred percent for the bank as far as its products and its services. 
And then as uh, bank customers, we also do have the responsibility and, and accountability to understand and to be clear about the products that we are purchasing or even um, when we are engaging with the bank. So um, it, it's actually a shared responsibility or shared accountability between both the bank and its customer. Okay, and with regards, okay, if we had to put customers aside for a moment, within um, you as the peop- the institutions, um, like we've got the Banking Association of South Africa, we've got you as the ombudsman, who regulates who, who polices each other? How does that sure. work? Sure. So the Banking Association's role is indeed uh, that of a regulator. And for all of the um, South African banks, in fact, um, not, not for all, rather, for all of the banks that are members of the Banking Association. And then um, as an ombudsman, our responsibility and accountability is that of an adjudicator or a mediator. So um, our terms of reference for instance, um, stipulates that this office has to be has to function as an independent office, and it has to be impartial. What that means is it cannot be biased. It cannot be inf- it cannot be biased towards the bank or the bank customer. It um, cannot form its determinations or resolutions with the influence from the bank or even from the bank customer. So we are the middleman. And our responsibility as an ombudsman is to look at the facts or the events that have occurred, apply our terms of reference, apply the banking laws and law in general, and then come up with a solution. Mm. It, sounds, it sounds complicated. It sounds like a bit of a difficult place to be in yes. sometimes. Yes. And, and, and in the case of corruption in the banking sector, is it something that is prevalent? Mm-hmm. Um, look, I cannot answer that question um, because I, we are not in a position to, to know um, if there is indeed corruption, who is the corrupter, and um, what exactly um, are, they, are they corrupt over in the banks. If you ask us about fraud in the banking sector, mm. that I can uh, respond to, and yes, there is indeed fraud. And even with that, when it comes to uh, the fraud occurring, the complaints that we get um, in the the office of the ombudsman, they vary in nature and in type. There's online uh, banking-related complaints. There's uh, ATM-related complaints. And in a lot of these um, complaints, we see that a lot of fraudulent activity has happened. It It is not caused by the customer. It is not caused by the banks. It's caused by a third criminal party, uh, the, the, the fraudsters or, or syndicates or, or scammers who are actually in the business of scamming bank customers. Can you kindly please take us through the process of lodging a complaint against your bank with the OBS? Yes. It's a very simple process, Millicent. When, as a bank customer, you realize that you have got um, a a problem and a complaint that you would like to lodge. We advise customers to start with their bank, 
The bank is where you have the relationship with. The bank is where your account or your product is housed. So you start with them. Every bank has got what they call a dispute resolution department. So you start with the dispute resolution department at the bank and you lodge your complaint formally and in writing with them. They, then you have to give them 20 working days to respond to you. When they don't respond within that time frame, then one may lodge a complaint with the ombudsman. If they do respond within that time frame, but you are unsatisfied or unhappy with their response, one can still contact the, the ombudsman. What we will do then is we've got what we call an application for assistance form. One then completes this form. It's a very simple form. It, it requires your personal information. And in there, it has a page where it gives you the space to explain or to tell us about what it has happened. And it also asks you for what outcome do you want. And then we take the, uh, the, the, the process from there. But quite a, a, very, a very simple one. And one can lodge a complaint with the office over the phone. One can lodge a complaint um, on email, and one can also lodge a complaint via fax. How many complaints would you say you guys receive in a day? On a day, um, we receive, I would say, an average of about uh, 20 uh, complaints. Um, this is because on a... Um, and, and the reason I am saying um, uh, average of, of about 20, we do get um, inquiries. We do get uh, or phone calls that are complaints. However, we do not have the jurisdiction for them, so they are for another ombudsman because they are about a different industry. Otherwise, in terms of actual valid um, complaints, I would say average um, 20. Two, two, two um, persons can lodge a complaint with the bank ombudsman, a natural person, which would be a bank customer, mm-hmm. and also a small company. A small company that does not uh, that does not have an um, annual turnover of more than ten million. We have not received uh, complaints from both of these type of customers about any uh, types of irregularities from banks. However, the complaints, because they are also about um, irregularities, but those are focused on bank products and um, on, on, on bank service. Okay, so bank products and bank service are most of the complaints that you get. Yes, basically. and it's mostly from individual um bank account or, or, or personal bank account holders. Mm. So now when one of your member banks um, is involved in a financial scandal of some sort, what is the process that the Ombud then will have to undertake to ensure that justice with regards to, I, I don't know, I, I don't have a better word to call it. Um, you, you try to explain, you know, the issue of corruption, but let's say maladministration or fraud or irregularities that has unveiled how, how what's the process that you guys would take if that person sure. is obviously your member yes so with the um, regulation of banks like I had said before that is with the banking association in our case what this office will respond to is when a formal complaint has been lodged with us so if we are aware about uh, um, about what has happened in particular to a certain bank. We may not give any comments um, about it because 
another um, added value about our service or what the Ombudsman for um, Banking Services offers is also confidentiality. So we may not disclose information about our customers, even about the, uh, the, the member banks, Whose com- who complaints have been lodged against. So in the case where there is certainly something that is taking place in the market or in the industry or even in the media, um, to, be, to be more particular, we may not um, comment about that. And if we do give our comments or our opinions, we may not be specific. Mm. Because remember, we are also obligated, according to our terms of reference, to function as an office that is in- impartial. So what can South Africa expect from you as the ombud with regards to representing the interests of the public as per your mandates? You know, things like uprooting prima facie corruption and irregularities that might be there in the banking sector. You know, our responsibility as an ombuds is not only just in the um, adjudication or resolving the complaints that occur between a bank and their bank customer, Mm. but consumer education is something we are quite strong at as well. Um, Interviews like these are something that we do on a regular basis, but our um, marketing strategy actually has a, a very strong consumer education um, goal in it. We travel um, throughout South Africa. We try and endeavor to reach as many communities as possible. We do believe that in this case, information is indeed power. And that is what we want to continue to do for the consumer to empower them with the information to be able to protect their bank accounts. Because let's remember your bank account is where you keep your hard earned living, your hard-earned income. So to empower South Africans with information about how to protect their bank accounts, subsequently protecting their income, is what we commit to continue doing. Mm. Mm. We we are aware that there are investigations of irregularity at VBS. The Financial Sector Regulation Act is being used to ensure that those corrupt activities, if there are any of the allegations that have been brought forth, should be dealt with. Do you have your own separate investigation currently underway? I cannot make comments on that, Millicent. However, do you have some listeners here who have... um, (laughs) some questions that they would like you to answer from um, some of the experiences that they are undergoing. The one says, I went to withdraw from an ATM and my bank card was not ejected. My money was withdrawn by someone else in a matter of seconds and my bank says it cannot assist to get my money back. What can I do? That does indeed sound like an ATM uh, scam or an ATM fraud um, related instance. In a case like that, I'd like to invite that um, bank customer to contact our office and lodge a complaint. So as it relates to ATM scams, there's what's called a card cloning. And this is where the scammer will have a device in the ATM slot. And as you put your card in there, it copies it. And um, also as you are putting your PIN in there, they are able to see or to copy the, 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 the pin that you are putting in there. And it happens in various forms. You might get the money that you went there to withdraw and, and, and you actually get it out and you get it with your card, but you notice later that transactions or withdrawals are taking place in your account and you are not at those ATMs and it's not you. So card cloning is also quite rife um, with regards to, to ATM-related uh, fraud. I'd like to invite that customer to make contact um, with the bank ombudsman. 
another listener here says, I am not here on what is happening with my bank, but they are not allowing me to withdraw more than a thousand rand a day. And I want to withdraw all my money, but I'm restricted. What can he or she do? We've got a choice as a bank customer about the amount or the limit of daily withdrawals that we can set in our account. And that is your choice. Mm. It's not the bank's. It's your choice as the customer. So that's one. And then if you are in a situation where you want to withdraw more than the daily limit that you have set, you've got the option of going inside the bank and actually doing um, and, and doing the withdrawal transaction inside the bank with the teller. But the decision and the choice are yours, the bank customers. As long as there is sufficient funds in your account, you may withdraw what you require from your bank account. How can people get a hold of you? Yes. Um, there's a number of ways to get hold of the Ombudsman's office. Mm-hmm. We've got a share call number. That is zero eight six zero zero eight six zero yes eight zero zero nine zero zero. Our website is www dot dot co dot za. One can also contact us by email info at obsfa dot co dot za. Okay. We've got a fax number. Yeah. May I give yes, the fax number? Please go ahead. Okay. Zero one one four eight three three two one two. Millicent, I think it's also very important for me to say that we also do take in walk-ins. So people may also come to the office of the ombudsman, and it's situated at number thirty-four Fricker Road, on the ground floor in Ilovo, Johannesburg. Okay. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much, Uzile, for the interview, for joining us this evening on Vow FM. We appreciate it. You are very welcome. Thank you for having us, Millicent. That was Uzile Kukushe, who highlighted how, as the Ombudsman for Banking Services, they operate, and they gave detailed information on grounds for which you can seek help from them. You are still tuned to Law Focus on Vive M88.1. Law Focus, point, point of information. As we reflect on tonight's discussion, we spoke to Lebohang Silepe, who is the National Secretary of SASBO, who spoke very strongly against the corruption that has unraveled at VBS, iterating that those who are involved in the scandal be held accountable, citing also that the oversight of monitoring agencies is disappointing, and also appealing to various business sectors to reach out to the now unemployed former employees of VBS who sadly have attached to them the stigma of their association with VBS. We were also in conversation with Uzile Gugushe, who highlighted important information about the Ombudsman for Banking Services as an institution that you can approach when you face any difficulty with your bank or its services. This includes any issues of maladministration. Find them on 086-080-0900. Otherwise, check out their website, www.obssa.co.za. We attempted to get a view from the Department of Justice, the Hawks, Corruption Watch, and the National Prosecuting Authority, all of whom 
either did not take our calls or turned us down for an interview citing that they cannot comment on the matter whilst the investigations are still imminent. As it stands, we know that the ANC has released a statement from the National Integrity Commission recommending to the NEC that implicated members in the VBS saga step down. We will keep watching the story closely for you. From our producer, Bulali Diakop, our technical producer, Kutwano Sirame, as well as our law focus researchers, Siabonga Mota and Veronica Mukwadi, and myself, Millicent Ndiweni. Thank you for tuning into Law Focus tonight. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VALFAM88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus on VALFAM88.1. Point of Information. Law Focus Podcast.